Merry Christmas. Thank you guys again for being here. We're excited that you're here with us. It's such a great night and an amazing time. It's my favorite time of the year, honestly. Uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I think I share this with a lot of you. Um, and, and tonight, is, honestly, is my favorite service of the year. It's my favorite service because it's sort of a tradition that we as a family, as a, of a family of, of believers who follow Jesus, that we gather together and we point all of our hearts and all of our attention and all of our affection in the one place that it deserves. And so I look, I look forward to this night uh, every year because, again, it's just such a beautiful time to celebrate, to sing old hymns, to, to be here together. And so it just feels right to be here. I hope you feel the same way. Um, you know, one of the other traditions that we have in our family, in the Yurton family, is uh, after this service is over, we will go home and we'll have dinner with my mom and then we will um, hold back the kids as they get to pick one present that they're allowed to open on Christmas Eve. And, and this is a big decision, right? There's a lot, of, a lot at stake in the one present on Christmas Eve decision for these kids. And so there's all this scouting that goes on. There are, uh, there are presents that are lifted up and shaken and looking at. In fact, this morning at about 5.30, Jen rolled over to me and she goes, Connor was already awake and she goes, it's awfully quiet out there. And I said, yeah. She said, I bet he's looking at the presents. And I'm like, I'm sure you're right. And sure enough, he was. So, uh, but anyway, it's a big decision. And we actually got this tradition from my folks who did that with us. We had four kids in our family, uh, my twin brother, my younger brother, and my younger sister. And so every year we would ransack, we would, we would scout, we would do all of the, the necessary reconnaissance to find the, just the right present and open it. One year, I remember my younger brother, Jeremiah, he's four years younger than I am. Um, we, he had scouted this out for weeks, and so he found this present that was like just the right size to weight ratio, you know, like it, it was the perfect size. It was maybe the biggest present that was under the tree. And so he had this thing singled out for weeks. And so we get to Christmas Eve night and we're all kind of gathered around and he grabs this present and he sits in on his lap and we're all like, do you want to open it? He's like, no, he's just holding it like this. And so we all kind of go and everybody opens their present and they get it and, and he's there. And I know what he's thinking. He's thinking in his head. He's got visions of like a Hot Wheels racetrack or an Atari gaming system, not to date myself. But these are the things that he was just hoping for. You could see it. He was almost vibrating with excitement. And so then it finally gets to be his turn. And we're like, okay, Meyer, open it up. And so he sits there. He starts tearing the presents off and, or the, the paper off. And then all of a sudden he's got a box and he pulls the box open and then his face just sort of drops. And out of this box, he pulls bed sheets. <laughs> right? And it was the funniest one. And I'll never forget the look on his face because it was this beautiful mix, horrible mix of disappointment and regret. And it looked just like that guy. Actually, I was joking with Kayla earlier. That looks just like me when I was that age, which is kind of odd to look at that. But anyway, but you, you know that look of disappointment when kids get a present and they open a present that they're like, hmm. Maybe I didn't pick correctly with this. So it was funny to watch that. And that's a fun tradition for us. It's really fun to watch because you're, you're on the verge of either celebration or disappointment, blessing or regret. And it all hangs on what present you receive. It all hangs on which, which gift you choose to open, especially in this season. So we've been in the middle of this season that we're calling Advent uh, we're calling it Advent because everybody calls it Advent. But it's, uh, it's a season where, as followers of Jesus, we are called and invited to anticipate the light that came into the world. 
And it's weeks of, of anticipation, of looking forward to this night, because on this night we celebrate the most important moment in the history of the world, that the God who is came to be with us. And so, again, it, this season of Advent, we anticipate light coming into the world. And like we saying earlier, that the light of the world, we believe, is here and is with us. And so, again, we're, we're reminded to intentionally open the gifts that we have, like hope and peace and love and joy. And those are beautiful gifts. And as we've talked about this, this last month or so, those are gifts that we, we believe that we receive from God. We receive these gifts, but then we're also called to take these gifts and we're, we're called to give them to a world that can be dark at times. And so things like hope in a dark world looks like a bright light. Things like peace and joy and love, those look like bright lights when we're called into a dark world. And so it's fun to live in this place. And, and the truth of the matter is, the thing that we celebrate tonight is that we recognize that all of these gifts come from one place and one place alone. They come from the person of Jesus his presence in us and his presence in the world. And so the question for us as followers of Jesus as we gather, with all the gifts that we, that we receive, all the presents that we can open during this season, are we choosing the right ones? Are we choosing to receive the right ones? Are we choosing to live in and receive the joy and the love and the peace and the presence of Jesus? Is he coming into our hearts and our lives and our homes and our families? Because all the other gifts are just bed sheets and pink rabbit suits. I mean, they may be good gifts and they may be great gifts, but they're not the gift. So usually tonight, what we do is we read the Christmas story together, either the, the Luke version or the Matthew version, and, and we'll do that in a minute. But I want to start us tonight in a little different place. It was what Guy read a little bit earlier. It's, it's maybe the least known of the Christmas narratives in the Bible. And it happens in John's gospel. John was one of the followers of Jesus. And, and he writes down how he experienced light coming in to the world. This beautiful poetic passage. In fact, if you just go ahead and pull that up on the screen there. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In him, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the moment that John marks light coming into the world. That he tells the story. Something broke through on Christmas. As light comes into the world, it lights up everything. Jesus shows up on the scene, and not only, not only does he show up and, and love people in a, with a love that, that is unrecognizable because it's unconditional, but he shows up and he shows us what God looks like. 
he shows up and shows us what real life looks like when it's lived well, when it's lived in the spirit of God. And so the question for us as we gather in this place is, will we receive him? In light of all the other gifts, all the distractions, all the other things that can occupy our attention, especially during this season, right? In spite of all of that other stuff, will we make room? Will you make room to receive Jesus? See, that's what, part of what John is saying in this passage is he's going, there's a contrast here. There's a choice to be made. You have a choice. You either, on one side, there are people that did not receive him, and then on the others, those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. See, our issue, our issue right now in history is we're 2,000 years removed from this, but we're also in the middle of the beauty and the tragedy of a season where we have so many other things that we have to make room for. So many other things that we receive and navigate and have to walk through. Christmas and Thanksgiving, by the way, is, is uh, not just my favorite season of the year. It's statistically the favorite season of the year for Americans by a long shot. It's like 85% or something like that say that this is their favorite season of the year. The other ones are lying. Uh, 83% of companies, 83% of companies out there throw Christmas parties. And 100% of employees don't really want to go, but they do anyway. So you got 83% of companies. Of those companies, 60% provide free drinks, which explains why 26% of people do things that they regret at the Christmas parties that 83% of the companies throw. So that's just on the, on the presence, and that, that doesn't even account the social events that we're all going to all the time. And then you go into the spending piece, which is, I think, really beautiful. But the average American adult spends $886 on Christmas presents. You can kind of, I know you're doing the math in your head, like, where do I fall in the whole spectrum there? Adults, so about $1,600, $1,700 per family get spent at Christmas. Women, women, you guys spend about 20 hours on average shopping for Christmas presents leading into Christmas. Amen. <laughs> 20 hours. Um, I'm sure this is a little different after the pandemic and after the advent of Amazon, God's gift to the world. Um, but three hours of that time, of that 20 hours, was spent standing in line waiting to pay for stuff, all right? Men, on the other hand, men spend about 12 and a half minutes shopping for Christmas presents. So we got you beat on that one. Actually, it's not true. About half, we do spend about half the time, though. And here's the other one. Here was the kicker that I thought was really interesting. $15.2 billion is spent every year on unwanted Christmas presents. $15.2 billion is spent on bed sheets and bunny costumes. It's amazing to think about that. There's so much to do and so much that we feel like we, we have to make room for. It's actually easy to miss out on the one gift that we were meant to receive. It's easy to miss out on the one gift, the one person, the one presence, the one joy that we were meant to receive. As I was reading through the Christmas story again this year, we're going to read it now in here just a minute. This is what struck me, that there were, those, there were some people in the story, you know this, uh, in history that received the gift in the moment, that were fully present in the moment. Think of Joseph, you think of the shepherds, you think of the magi that come and visit, you think of Mary who it says treasured all these things up in her heart. So there were some people that received the gift in the moment, and then there were some who just missed it. For whatever reason, they were preoccupied or distracted. They missed what was really going on. And so I want you to sit. We're just going to read this story, 
Again, the history here. As Luke remembers it, this is in Luke chapter 2. And I just want you to sit back and enjoy and, and take this story in. Put yourself in the story. The words will be up on the screen as well, but we're going to read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Saying everyone, everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord all of a sudden appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not, do not be afraid. See, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And all of a sudden, a, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they'd seen him, they spread word concerning what had happened, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Meanwhile, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and that they had seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you see in that story the, the folks that were really present in the moment and then maybe the ones that weren't? The ones who received the gift and maybe the ones that missed it. See, Joseph, Joseph is there and he is leading his family. He's the dad. He's, he's going ahead of them. The shepherds came. They responded. They saw. They had this amazing, astonishing thing happen. And then Mary treasured all these things up in her hearts. And they all received this gift that was given. They paid attention to it. They focused on it. They went to it. But as I was reading this this, this year, the thing that really struck me is I, I thought, what is the innkeeper thinking? This is kind of a random throwaway line that Linus reads every year in Peanuts cartoon. But, but when you really think about it, like this is kind of a big moment to miss. And yet here's this innkeeper. Like, obviously he was busy. You know, obviously he was 
there was a lot going on. Maybe Joseph didn't plan very well, didn't give him notice ahead of time. You know, there was a census in town, and so people were returning to their hometown. But the question is, who doesn't make room for a pregnant lady with a baby? Who doesn't do, like, talk about adventures and missing the point. Like, who doesn't get up and give their seat to a really pregnant lady on the bus? And so I wonder, you know, I was just thinking about this. What, how did he miss this story? I mean, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I know that maybe you wouldn't see it the same way living it in real time. But I wonder if they knew the story, if they knew the magnitude of what was happening in that moment, on that night, when this refugee couple shows up about to give birth, I wonder if they really understood who Jesus was and what the night meant. Would they have done things differently? Would the innkeeper and his wife, would they have made room to more appropriately receive Jesus, the creator of the world, the king of the universe, the Christ child, all the things that we know now. So here's what we know. This probably wasn't a hotel that they were going to. It was probably just a room in somebody's house, more likely. And and honestly, that makes the story even more personal because it wasn't like there were 227 rooms and they were all booked. It was an active decision. and, And maybe, maybe, there were other obligations like family and business, but even still, we still find Jesus in a manger outside the main house. We don't know whether it was a cave or whether it was a barn or whether it was out in a main courtyard area. We just don't, we don't know. But what we do know is that the creator of the universe comes and is taken and put outside the main house. somehow a decision was made to put him and to put his family on the edge of the home and the family and the life of those people. And I think if we're honest, if we're honest, that's, we, we, we read that story and we go, how could they have missed it? Or we're kind of harsh in judgment on them. But, but the, the real temptation for us is that we do exactly the same thing with Jesus, especially at Christmas with all the other activity, all the other gifts that we can open and receive, so many competing priorities and obligations and activities, it's just easy to move Jesus to the margin of our lives. It's easy to put him outside our main house just to get everything else done. And so John reminds us in the middle of this, if we read this as a Christmas story, John reminds us that there's a choice in this for us. We're not passive victims to all the activity around us. That somehow in the middle of this, we have, we have volition, we have a choice. It says in, in that passage, it says that to those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. That word receive in there, it, it's a beautiful word in the Greek that means, um, it, it means to receive with initiative. It's almost aggressively receiving kind of like a child on Christmas Eve, aggressively going for that one present that they really, really want. It, it, it makes a big deal about the volition of the one who's receiving the gift. In other words, 
we decide. We decide which gifts we open. We decide which gifts we receive. And just like we decide which gifts we open and which gifts we receive, we decide who and what we make room for in our lives. We decide who and what we make room for in our lives. And so as followers of Jesus who are gathered around this beautiful moment, the question for us is, are we, are you making room for Jesus? Are you making room for Jesus in the midst of all of the activity, all the parties, the shopping, the family, the gifts? Do you make room to receive the one gift that gives light and meaning to all of the others? That's the question. It's also the invitation that God gives to us. It's why we're here tonight. It's why you're here tonight. It's we're making room for Jesus. It's, it's why this night matters, because we are here to receive the King. We're here to receive Jesus. And maybe that continues for you tomorrow. Maybe part of your tradition is that the family gets together and reads through the Christmas story. Maybe for you it's giving thanks with this amazing joy because you remember that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Every gift comes from the Father, so you receive it with thanks. Maybe, we're, maybe you take tomorrow and there's just a moment where you're able to pray over each other, over people in your family, remembering, remembering that the people in your life are such a greater gift than all of the material stuff that we could have. And maybe it's just as simple as that you commit yourself to receiving all of those things with hope and with joy and with the peace and the love of Jesus. I don't know what it looks like for you to receive Jesus, to make room for him in your life, but that is the invitation of this night, to choose to make room for Jesus, to choose to receive him. Because as I wonder about the innkeeper and his wife, there's a part of me that wonders, you know, 33 years later, if they lived to see who the child became. Bethlehem was very close to Jerusalem, and I wonder, I wonder if they connected the dots because of the shepherds and the Magi, and the stories. And I can't help but wonder if when they looked back, if they didn't regret not making room in their lives and in their home.